Ticket Volume is excited to bring you a service management trainer, consultant, and author nominated as one of Computer Weekly's Top 50 Women in Tech and the Chief Architect for Verism. She leads a team of e-learning professionals on topics like ITIL, DevOps, SIAM, Verism, and more for ITSM Zone, as well as the body of knowledge for SIAM Foundation and professional and part of Scopism. She's also the host of the long-running IT podcast, ITSM Crowd. Welcome to Ticket Volume, news and information for improving IT experiences. I'm your host, Matt Barron, and this podcast is powered by Invigate, a global leader in IT service and asset management software. As you know, every week I chat with different IT leaders to share their insights on service management, technology, business, and this episode is no exception. But before we start, don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment. Let's begin. Welcome to Ticket Volume, Claire Agatar. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's such a delight to have you on. It's always good to have professional podcasters on. It makes my job that much easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of, you've got this huge uh, reach in our industry, right, as part of this long-running uh, podcast, and you've covered so many topics with so many people, including the most recent um, publishing from Scopism, that survey, um, so what, what can you share about those survey results? So we've, we've just done the, the white paper for the global SIAM survey for this year. It's the fifth year that we've done it now. Um, so the first year we did it was, was great. You know, we got some, some nice data, but now that we've got five of them behind us, we can actually see trends as well, which is, is fantastic. And some of the things stay the same year to year. Some of them are changing. Um, a couple of the things that, that made me happy is there seem to be sort of more entry level people this year based on things like age and salary, more women this year, um, still quite heavily male dominated in terms of responses, but more women coming through. And then just learning about why people are adopting SIAM. And to me, I think there's been a real step change since COVID. You know, organisations have looked at their supply chains and seen where have we got weaknesses you know where have we got strengths who did we rely on and, and were they able to support us or not and you know Siam is such a great fit for for that kind of thinking and that kind of conversation because you can start to look at a service and think who are all the suppliers underpinning that you know external suppliers internal teams and have we got a grasp of it you know have have we got management in place to make sure that that we can keep things moving so um yep so it's this year's survey um just good insights into the kind of challenges that organizations are facing but the, the benefits they want as well you know pretty much everybody is is working with this big supply network now how do we manage it appropriately and i'm sure you'll you'll share the link but for anybody who who wants to read it scopism.com free resources you'll find all of the surveys in there um, and we are very grateful to kinetic it who who sponsored it this year and, and made it possible as well yeah, kind of a new player in the space. Uh, for those of you who don't know, SIAM is Service Integration and Management. 
and, and the survey and Siam in general is really all about sourcing your services, right? How, how are you sourcing them? And I, I think the more important part is how are you integrating them? How are you um, realizing the benefits of, of having sourced uh, services, yep. which, um, which is such a fascinating topic for our industry because it's something that over the last 10 years has you know, um, gone up and down, of course, just like every uh, trend and roller coaster in our industry, every paradigm shift continues to come and go. And um, what what you really learn is, yeah, you see things like trends, like, okay, now there's younger people that are involved in sourcing, there are other ways of looking at sourcing, smaller companies are starting to source, um, mm -hmm. larger companies are sometimes sourcing less, um, because they're trying to, you know, achieve some competitive advantage. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely link that. I really like that, um, that you can share that, that those insights and that data is so valuable. And there's lots of really good surveys like this, the ITSM tools, they've got a couple yeah, that yeah. they run every year that are also very phenomenal. Um, and if you're a vendor out there, consider sponsoring some of this research because it is a way to get your name out there, give you authority on the subject and um, really provide some value back to our community. Mm -hmm. Speaking of value uh, and these closed loop feedback uh, loops is I really like your your concept of that feedback series that you're publishing. And I, I think this is part of Scopism too, where you're sharing customer feedback and testimony in one you shared one of these recently what do you think about doing that and how is it working for you so this this is actually um this is through itsm zone which is e-learning business that that we have and one of the massive challenges with e-learning is you don't have that instant feedback from the people who are who are taking the training that you provide you know i've, I've done classroom training and you can glance around the room and see fairly instantly who's switched off and what you can do to to wake them up again but with with e-learning you know we sometimes we kind of joke you know the perfect customer is the one who pays some money takes a course fills in a feedback form and we never hear from them ever again but of course you still you still need a way to kind of evaluate the effectiveness of of the training so we have um you know we have we have lots of sort of quantitative data we have pass rates we have completion rates we can look at what people are engaging with actually within the software but that human element is is still so important so we've had the feedback survey embedded within our courses for years but we wanted to actually get a little bit closer to our customers as well and and I'm not I'm not taking credit for this because it was Ivana who runs our marketing who came up with the idea she's she's absolutely wonderful and she's she's found customers from all over the world who wanted to share you know not just what they thought of the training but actually share some tips as well for other people who are taking e-learning you know this is what works for me because we we see this you know we'll have there's one of our corporate clients they buy ITIL Foundation e-learning and then they give their staff two days out of the office and you have to finish the course in these two days which is it's not really the best way to do e-learning the whole point of e-learning is you know short chunks um think about it go back to work and talk to your colleagues so you know learning how people have studied and and things like that have been really useful and one one of the the biggest things for me is for every course we do what we call a study tracker 
um, which is basically, you know, these are all the lessons. These are the exercises in the lessons. This is how long the study guide is. This is how long we think you should take to complete this. And we do that for every single course, but it, it's a download document. So we don't really get any feedback from it. But it's something that I've always thought was was useful. And the really nice thing is some of these customers have actually come back and said, oh, we love the study tracker. And I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good nuggets in there, you know, yeah. sharing feedback out loud so other customers can can hear uh, how others are applying it and, and the tips that you can uh, amplify beyond just what the instructor is able to provide. But mm -hmm. also, I love the idea of um, them um, learning in little chunks like that. that that's yes. such a good point that you you take something and you apply it and that without making it an experience like an experiential experiential learning experience mm. for lack of a better word <laughs> um you're turning it into something where okay you learn something you go back to your work maybe you recognize it maybe you change what you do maybe you apply something specific that you learned and then come back and it gives you an opportunity to review that content speak with an instructor or provide feedback directly to uh, the company providing it yeah, lots, the, lots of good stuff in there. Yeah, and, and there's, there's been this debate in the industry for as long as I've been involved about, you know, classroom versus e-learning. And mm. of course, different people have different learning styles. And, you know, some people will always learn best in a classroom. But the, there are so many people that e-learning is effective for. But because it's, you know, I mean, it's not new, but it's newer, you can give people guidance about actually this is an effective way to use it. You know, this is an effective way to study. Just like with everybody switching to Zoom, suddenly we have to learn all these new ways to do meetings and to look after ourselves and all the rest of it. You know, we, we try and we try and kind of make people aware of the fact that e-learning isn't just a classroom on a computer. You mm -hmm. can use it in a very different way. And that's when you'll actually get get the best from it so it, it is it is trying to share that and it's been brilliant to have those students of ours come and say well actually you know I set aside some time every week I made myself a timetable and by sticking to that you know completed the course but did it in in an effective way yes instead of one to many you know a lecturer in, in front of 10 students just instructing it can be 11 people all learning together and growing together. I'll never forget the first time we switched to using Miro during our mm -hmm. Zoom meetings. And instead of one person operating the computer, you've got 10 cursors floating around. <laughs> Everyone's creating ideas at the same time. People are voting on those ideas. You can, the, the bandwidth increases. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the only real way that I can explain yep. that. Yep. <laughs> So let's talk service integration and management for a second. We'll, we'll go back to this topic because it is such an important topic. And you did that other thing recently that I thought was also another great idea, uh, which was hosting an, an Ask Me Anything, an AMA. What were some of the common questions or what were some of the highlights of that AMA? So uh, again, you know, with anything like that, the highlight for me is the fact that you've got a global audience. It, it's, yeah. it's amazing. And you get questions that maybe you wouldn't have thought about perhaps with the, the sort of the people that you normally work with or the geography that you normally operate in. But the, the questions really, 
ranged very widely, which I think reflects the fact that Siam has different levels of global maturity itself. You know, in in Europe, Japan, Australia, Siam is very mature, where there is North America, actually. It, it's still a fairly new topic. You know, we've got a couple of organisations that we're working with, but it, it is still a bit more emergent um in in north america so so the ama was just an opportunity to kind of say well what you know what what, what do people want to know and and it, it it kind of ranged from sort of what is siam you know why should i care <laughs> those of us in this space know that there's something new comes out every week and you have to think is this useful for me how much brain space should i dedicate to this so talking about what siam is you know the benefits it can provide but then and i think perhaps this is you know because of the company that hosted the ama as well but a lot of focus on you know where does technology and automation fit into the siam space as well which is it's actually a really interesting area and I don't pretend to be an expert in this, but I'm aware of a lot of work that's being done in that space to make things easier in terms of sharing information between service providers. You know, we, we talk in the Siam body of knowledge about this swivel chair entry concept, which is where, you know, suppliers receiving information in one system and then turning around and typing it into another one. So, there's there's lots of work happening to make information accessible, but also still to have that level of protection and security and information governance. And then, of course, you know, bringing in robot workers, bringing in artificial intelligence, all of that stuff's happening in the Siam space as well. And it's 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 just fascinating. You know, the the industry is evolving at speed and. You're learning something every day. So people, you know, people really interested in that too. And I think there's there's huge there's huge savings there in terms mm -hmm. of you know time, money, but there's also meaningful savings in the fact that you're not asking people to do jobs that shouldn't really happen anymore either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like password resets. Yeah, there is this there is this 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 idea that sourcing mm -hmm. your services, sourcing support is one of the areas that typically will will be one of the first places where people explore sourcing, especially mm -hmm. small and medium-sized companies. Yep. And it gets such a bad rap. Mm -hmm. Um and a lot of that is due to you know, the past, the, the last 10 years or so of sourcing, you know, yeah. is it a communication barrier? Is it a quality barrier? Is it, is it that swivel seating that mm -hmm. just causes delays and additional layers of miscommunication yeah. because there's all these points of interpretation and you're right. It really is changing at pace where the providers now are starting to realize, okay, or the last 10 years, they've been realizing as they go yeah. that, um, that that quality is what people are looking for. Mm. And I recently ran into someone who they described their role as I'm a matchmaker for sourcing. And okay. they happen to be in the contact center space. So it wasn't necessarily IT service management or IT services. Um, but I thought, what a great concept, because mm -hmm. that really is what it's about, is finding that culture fit, finding not only the system fit, but um, the personality fit, and finding vendors who will truly partner with you, mm -hmm. where 
I think in the past it was very common for a sourcing provider to, you know, they don't have, if you're making money off of, off of problems, mm -hmm. solving those problems aren't, isn't always in your best interest because yep. then yep. The, the revenue is got, that's, I call that the, the sourcing paradox where <laughs> if you, if you create a knowledge article that mm -hmm. helps users self-service then you won't get that incident as, as often. So mm -hmm. why would you want that? And I think those sourcing providers and the sourcing customers have started to realize, okay, we can look at knowledge centered support. We can look at other ways of measuring this to say, you know, every time that knowledge article gets referenced, you get a financial gain or a financial benefit, as opposed to just every ticket that you closed money machine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's a lot of work being done in the Siam space as well about just, you know, looking at the very foundations of a relationship, because if the contract is written so that your vendor gets paid for closing tickets, your vendor's going to focus on closing tickets. You know, if, if the targets are all about quality improvement, incentives, um, you know, I mean, for me, a big thing at the moment is outcomes. Let's, let's not measure people mm -hmm. on number of tickets, time to answer let's let's measure on outcomes because we we have um an outsourced service desk that that sits across scopism and itsm zone we've we've worked with the same vendor for for absolutely years and the resources that we use they're based out in macedonia but our contract you know the, the hours need to be covered it's 24 by 7 but it's a mix of dedicated and fractional resources and it's really all about outcomes um you know we're, we're not we're not focused on number of tickets. We're focused on what are our customers saying? Are they happy? And if they're not happy, what can we do to improve things for them? And I, th I think it's another one of the, the kind of the struggles that, that we've seen post COVID with people working from home is these kind of old school managers don't know how to manage people if they're not stood behind them looking at a dashboard you know if if you can't put your finger on the outcomes the value that you want your your teams or your suppliers to be delivering you're not really thinking in terms of of service management and i think you know service management as as an industry is evolving and a lot of the old things that we used to spend so much time on are pretty much automated you know when was the last time you spent weeks drawing up an incident management process you don't because it comes out of the box but the skills that we need have evolved and it is things like matchmaking you know like you said it's looking at integration scalability governance providing principles all of these elements are, are part of the service management skill set now and i think you know some of the the really old granular process stuff it, it's it's done i'm not saying it's easy but you can you can get it in place and get it up and running and get the data that you need quite quickly so let's you know let's start thinking about the big picture and the outcomes and the innovation and and stop measuring people on tickets closed per week <laughs> yeah exactly that's such a good point we have matured as an industry mm. right yeah, like it, you, you used to start at level one, the, the CMMI model or whatever mm -hmm. that that was yep. your maturity level or zero, whatever. But now uh, collectively, we've all moved up and a lot of vendors, a lot of service providers 
have gotten to the point where they can jump you to a two much quicker. You know, they've yes. got that incident management in place. Or they've they've got an entire knowledge repo for you to just fork and throw into your tool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely great point that we've we've matured as an industry and we should all start at that point. So actually I'm gonna put you on the spot and see what you think. What what advice would you give to a, a small or medium sized company that has been traditionally um, in sourcing, you know, using their own service desk resources, and they're looking to get into sourcing, where would you recommend someone start with something like that? Gosh, that's, that's a good question. And I suppose, I suppose I'll go back to the process that, that we went through, because we're, you know, we're, we're a small organization, we mm -hmm. outsourced pretty much everything um it, it was always a principle for us from day one that that we wanted to have that that scalability and that flexibility so the, the first thing that you've got to do is have a rough idea of what you want um mm -hmm. th which it, that sounds super obvious but there's, there's a lot of organizations don't you know we we knew we wanted 24 by 7 cover um we had a rough idea of budget we knew volume we knew we knew attitude, which was a massive thing for us. We didn't want as a small business to have a service desk that was constantly coming back and saying, what about this? What about that? Mm. We didn't want scripts. And then we just went out there and evaluated suppliers. And there was one company that we visited who everything was so scripted. Everything was scripted down to the very last word and we visited their um their call center and it was it's horrible it's like a, a human chicken farm it, it was mm. just awful um and then we met with another organization which is the the one that we work with now and everything was flexible it's great you know come and meet some of the team decide who you want working on your account, chat to them. Everything was just so open and so transparent. And, you know, what, what we've got is people who were so comfortable. Um, you know, our service desks have a budget. Um, so if they can fix something and it's under a certain amount, they've got complete authority to do that. And we are never going to come back to them and say, you shouldn't have done that. We want to understand what's happening and why, of course, but the, the amount of things that then need escalating are really small. But I, I think, you know, for us as a small business, the, the benefits of outsourcing have been huge. We couldn't have run a 24 by 7 service desk in-house it just it just wouldn't have been possible but the fact we've been able to do it and we've been able to use fractional resources has really really worked and you know the quality's good I know there's a lot of people are still quite sniffy about outsourcing but that's that's on the buyer you know if if you've if you've picked a bad vendor that's on you and you can either work with them to improve things or you can change the vendor, which is the joy of outsourcing. <laughs> Just like so many things, it comes down to culture and people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly it. And, and it's, it's, it's a real, you can go into that relationship thinking, I've got my contract and I'm going to stick you to the contract. Or you can go in and say, okay, you know, maybe, this didn't work so well this month. So what do you need from us? How are we going to work on this and, and improve together? 
and and that's there's a culture element there as well and i think that's something else that's changed mm-hmm. you know back when i started in it i was working on a client site for a big outsourcing organization and the client really wanted to stick it to us if anything went wrong um it it wasn't a healthy culture and then you you vendors spend more time trying to sort of game the reports and and make things look good whereas if it's a a high trust environment which is what you know siam always works to build this collaborative environment that's when you see positive things happening yes it goes both ways you also need to be a good customer great point it's a two-way street people (laughs) good point claire i love that okay so where can people connect with you and learn more oh gosh um I've got a very SEO friendly name. So I'm the only Claire Agata in the world so far, which is nice. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, find me on Twitter. Um, the ITSM crowd is on YouTube. We've got six years worth of episodes on there. So I'm pretty sure you'll find something that you want. Um, and, you know, email Claire at scopism.com if you've got questions, if you've got ideas, fire them across to me because it's a big part of my job is just talking to people, which I love. Likewise. Thank you for joining us on Ticket Volume, Claire. Thank you so much for inviting me. And for our audience, thanks for listening to this episode. We've got a bunch more out there and more coming. So subscribe, you'll get alerts, whatever works in your workflow. You can also submit topics or feedback. Complain to me if you'd like. Send me an email, matt at ticketvolume.com. Leave feedback or a review on one of our platforms because you know that the algorithms will reward us for your interactions. This podcast is brought to you by Invigate, the all-in-one IT service and asset management system that helps organizations with world-class IT support. If you're looking for a solution to build your help desk without the headaches of year-long implementations and you want a lower total cost of ownership, you are going to love Invigate. In fact, IT teams from NASA, Toyota, and McDonald's use our systems to manage requests, automate workflows, and centralize data so they can focus on delivering better service. Because remember, good service is good business.